This is the Creeps Cast. I talked with uh, my boss the other day about getting a raise. <laughs> and then I left her office after talking with her for like two hours and I realized her office was decorated with happy birthday stuff and I didn't say happy birthday to her the entire time. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, Cody, buddy. Cody. Okay, like Cody, no. To be fair, I wake up very early every day, and this was like the first thing I did when I got to the office at like you know, this is like seven thirty in the morning or eight in the morning. So like my my brain wasn't really on fuego, you know. So give yeah. me a break. It was a that- honest mistake. I said it afterwards. Okay. Happy birthday, okay. which is what okay. counts. Good. Good. I did. I thought you just walked it. out. <laughs> I, yeah, I looked back at the banners. I was like, "Huh, that's pretty neat." Well, yeah. see ya. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. But, anyways, folks, that's uh, another installment of Cody Severson embarrassing himself um, in public. It's the Crease Cast. It's your squad ready to talk some actual Canucks news for a change, and not just playoffs. I don't think we want to talk playoffs because we don't want to jinx a certain team for a certain somebody as a member of the podcast, or do we? I mean, we do probably, we? you know, this is a, a sports, a hockey news show. We probably should, even though I totally forgot to even add anything about the cup <laughs> final to the notes. I, I was just scrolling through and I was like, oh, thank God. We're not going to talk about this series. I was just I, like, thank God. I don't have, he I don't have he any energy to, to talk live. about this. Yeah, yeah, he, do I do want to live. Cause live. <laughs> what, what did I tweet in game one or something? I said, I said, I jokingly said like abs in three and then yeah, they, and they got scored on three straight. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. Maybe yeah. I should have said, and then I asked all. you what it was feeling, yeah. what it felt like to have your life in danger or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in danger. I and was then, in like, danger. Lachlan's but then they scored. Also in danger from yesterday. It's, yeah. It, oh yeah what did you tweet you tweet something like like the abs are unstoppable or something i like made that. The, i said they made the, i said okay i to <laughs> be break. to be yeah give me a break here i said that they were making the lightning look human which they were for for clarity they were making the lightning look and i said that in, as opposed to like in comparison to the last teams that the lightning have played in the playoffs this year and the team before it where it was like no these guys like they 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 cut the beast, but they didn't like actively like take any take any limbs off, you know. Whereas the Avalanche were just at multiple points just running the show entirely against Tampa, which isn't wrong. But then the <laughs> Lightning happened to find their mojo back immediately after. Um, you know, just thinking too, like I didn't want to tweet anything for Game Three, but. I, I don't even want to put this out there because I don't want to jinx the team. I don't want to jinx either team because that's what I tend to do every single year. But when they destroyed them in game three, a part of me was like, oh, this is exactly what they did against New York. They looked like complete shit in games one and two and got dummied and then came alive in game three and remembered that they're very good. So I'm wondering, and I'll pose this question to the both of you. Do you think game four will be similar to game three, similar to games one and two, or are we actually going to get like close contestable hockey? Because we technically haven't really got that in this series yet, even though everyone kind of said like, oh, this is going to be super tight. Two of the best teams fighting off against each other. It's going to be super competitive. And then they just haven't been competitive games at all. So do you think we're going to get a competitive game in game four or is it going to be more 
domination. I think we'll get a more competitive game in game four than we did in games two and three for sure. I think game one was pretty close. Like game like, but even but even you're right to a degree where like the abs were just for a section were dummying the lightning and then the lightning took their turn after. Like mm-hmm. there was you're right. Like there wasn't up until like what the third period where no one scored in that game one. There was really like no there was really no spot where it was like, oh, these two are just kind of going blow for blow. It's really just uh, two, one team just crushing the other for a bit and then the other team taking its turn kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I do think that there's... I would I think that we will probably see both teams kind of go, okay, our defense has been atrocious at times here. Let's tighten things up a little bit. Like, I could mm-hmm. definitely see both teams going, okay, we need to try and, like, yeah, we need to make our defense play. Our, we need to go into a bit more of a shell and not take as many risks possible. But at the same time, they might not even, because that's not really what's brought them success all playoffs, right? Like, neither team has gotten has gotten here based on being uh, suddenly defensively, de- like a shutdown defensive team. They've gotten here by just outscoring the opponent. So... I do think we'll get a closer game for sure, though. I think in game 14, because of how big a swing in momentum that game could be, depending on who mm-hmm. wins, I think you'll see both teams come out come out playing a lot more tentative and a lot more aware of what kind of mistake they might make if they're not careful. Um, Jamie, what are your thoughts? I don't want you to put you on the spot because obviously you have a vested interest in both teams, whether that's player or actual team. But... What is your vibe check right now looking towards game four? Well, I sure hope that they'll be better defensively. <laughs> they, like Taves and Makar were like a minus three last night. And it, that wasn't, that's not good. <laughs> that's not you know, good at all. <laughs> you know what was shocking was actually watching Devon Taves on some of those. Be a goon. He's I was like, never been like that before. I was stunned because he's, pretty like he's not cool calm and collected but like he's a pretty responsible defensive player and he looked he looked like tyler myers out there he was so out of position on all the goals against and i was like like is this the same guy like because it's one thing to go from being like having really good games in game one and two when you're makar and tapes and you're putting up four points each every single game and then there's just like like it takes a lot to have such a polar inverse performance where you're straight up not the same defenseman at all. So that's why like I put out this tweet where it's very inside baseball. Like you would not understand anything I'm saying if you didn't like follow mixed martial arts through like the 2000s or the 2010s. And basically like the joke was all of these fighters at some point, these martial artists, I'm using air quotes for our YouTube channel followers. That's uh, youtube.com slash creepcast. Um, subscribe. Subscribe. Ding the bell. Um, <laughs> the, these fighters would have like these really prolonged runs of success and then they would like get knocked out or like they would fall off entirely and then they would have one brief resurgence where like some something came out in the preamble to the fight where they were like, oh, he trained with X person or he cut out dairy. And that's why he won. So they would get this nickname where it was like, like in one case, this guy won a fight after losing like seven straight. And the commentators were like, he's got that look in his eye. So every fight from then on would be the joke was, it looks like he has that look in his eye. And then he would just continue to lose. 
And so part of me was like, the Tampa Bay Lightning have now got that kind of mystique about them where whenever they're in the um, Amelie Arena, they're just a different team because they look terrible on the road in every series through these playoffs where I'm like, all they got to do is they got to get to the Amelie Arena. Once they're in the Amelie Arena, they're a new team. And like, part of me is like, they're going to like now like play like a new team. Like they're the Amelie Arena Lightning, not the, this, the away Like they're almost Lightning. waiting to play a game at home. They're literally waiting. They're just like biding their time. Like they're okay to like just, just fuck, fuck the dog on the first two games. And then they're like, well, at least we got a lot of tape to go over. So we know how to beat them next time. And then they just like, are like, oh yeah, we're the lightning. We, we know how to, we know this, how to win. So let's this, do that. Kind, this kind of sounds like the Canes in the first two rounds. God. Yeah. And then, they yeah, like, but okay. But the thing is the Canes never lost that bad. <laughs> away games. They still yeah. played okay. But like they, they didn't win. But they, like looked, they couldn't score at all. They yeah. looked like a totally different team. Yeah, like when exactly. they played road games, so it was unreal. Going, when you were saying that, I'm like, this is exactly like how the Canes were the first mm-hmm. two like, rounds. It, they it's just a total completely Jekyll and Hyde. different. Like completely yeah. different themes. Yeah, it's it's just very strange because like obviously with the Canes, you kind of like chalk it up. You're like, ah, oh, they're young and they. I don't know. Maybe it's just like a weird They're, vibe when you're playing against like Sturkin or vibe You happen to get thrown into a couple both, of arenas both that are both very yeah. intimidating. Like absolutely just like, no. But it is super <laughs> bizarre to win 13 games at home and then lose the 14th. Like that's just like super bizarre. Like it's and a weird thing to happen. Seven. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's like super weird. And then you just like watch Tampa oh, and you're like, how do you God. drop the first two games in every series on the road? Like it's like, what are you guys doing? But anyway, that's why they're really good. I'm looking forward to game four. I kind of hope it's close. I don't like as much as it's fun to watch a blowout because like the fans go nuts. Oh my god! Like, you game know, two. five or six nothing. <laughs> like, game two when it was like it was just like not even close. I had the and, like, best time watching that. <laughs> I'm glad. I, it, that's the best part about the series is you get you get little wins, little dubs for Jamie. So that's great. We we like the little dubs for our, our little crease crease fam here. Because uh, as we all know, we don't get them at all when you're Canucks fans. But we did get a win, finally, yeah. as Canucks fans, because they actually finally. did something right. Let's finally. go. <laughs> LFG. Uh, Let's put go. Some, put some dubs in the chat, folks, because yeah. we're going to move off playoff <laughs> talk because we're going to we don't want to jinx them anymore than we already have. Yeah. Uh, let's get into Canucks shit. Andre Kuzmenko. And now, yes, I know you you are hopping over to Google right now and you're typing in. What is an Andre Kuzmenko? Well, let's tell you. Andre Kuzmenko is a KHL all-star who's spent the majority of his career in Russia. In the KHL, he's had pretty decent production for the last like four years, but then the last two years, he's basically been like, like a stud producer. And as you know through history, as Canucks fans yourselves, the Vancouver Canucks are pretty goddamn bad at signing top free agents out of other leagues, whether that's the NCAA or the SHL or the Finnish Liga or the KHL. They're just really, really bad at it. And uh, <laughs> Andre Kuzmenko isn't going to be an Artemi Panarin. He's not going to be, you know, who's that other guy that signed? Vadim Shipachev or whatever. Shipachev, uh, the chances are that Andre Kuzmenko is going to be like maybe a higher end Nik- Nikolai Goldobin or something. 
maybe a bit more Don't expecting him to be Artemi Panarin. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody loves Goldobin. I love Goldobin. I love <laughs> Goldobin. But like expecting him to be like, you know, Artemi Panarin is probably a bit a bit rich. He's not going to be that. If he is, great. Has that player. comparison been coming up? Did I miss that? No, and everyone's like, like lower your expectations on him. But like, I know um some people that i've like interacted with are like oh well that's like what chicago did when they got panarin and uh he was pretty good it's like well yeah but panarin was like legitimately very good panarin <laughs> was legitimately very good and was yeah. also playing on a team that had won like two stanley cups in like three yeah. years yeah like so, you get a little bit of it's a little easier when that's going on yeah and so I, t- I tempt like when people ask me like, oh, so what do you think of the signing? I kind of give them like the asterisk, like, hey, look, the real victory here is that the management regime in charge actually landed the guy. Whether or not he becomes anything is almost inconsequential. Kuzmenko is a dart on the board. They've tried this with Linus Oman, uh, Archdeep Baines of the uh, WHL. Um, uh, who's the kid? Philip Johansson out of the SHL and uh linus carlson just threw a bunch of darts out maybe there's something maybe they're not it doesn't matter the point is they're taking some bets because that's what this team needs to do at this time they can't be doing the free agency signings as we've you know shit on for years now so yeah it's great that they've got the darts on the board we'll see what happens the point is don't get too wrapped up on whether or not this guy's going to be you know on on the first line with leas Pedersen. He might not even be a regular in the rotation, but the fact is he chose to sign with Vancouver and that's the power of Alyssa Steakhouse and not going to Joey's. In <laughs> it's so because, funny. He oh, went I, for one day and he went to Joey's in downtown I, Edmonton. That's how you wine and dine him, baby. You take him to Joey's <laughs> for the $9 house salad and the, uh, the $13.25 spicy chicken. That's really what hope, they come here for. Yeah, I really hope. Uh, I really hope Patrick Alvin was like, you know, we actually have more Joey's in Vancouver than they do in Edmonton. I, I bet. I guarantee you, they probably took. They took them to like all the Aquilini owned restaurants. Like they took them yeah, to Alyssa. Scary. And then, uh, what's that? The, to Blue Water, I think. Blue Water Cafe. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And I almost guarantee they're like, so long as you play in Vancouver with the Canucks, you will never have to pay for a meal at either of these three places. So long as you're. A Canuck, and he was okay. like, "Oh, this food is pretty good. Their, this is way better than Joey's." Their discount is humongous. Is it? It's humongous. Yeah, Shit. that rules. Good for that. Yeah, I mean, that, well, I wish that were me. Yeah, I'd love that. Like Frankie, <laughs> come on, buddy. Wait, sorry the the player. Sorry, the player's discount is huge. Yes, they get. Well, sorry, why is it not just free? I don't like, understand. Why is it just free? Like, I'm well, sorry, they have to tip the servers, right? Yeah, they have to tip the servers. Because that's true. these guys that's don't have true. like they don't have like comprehensions of like money, right? So like you can't be like, here's your zero dollar bill, now tip, and they're like, Whoa, that I don't know what yeah. the bill was, so how do I tip? <laughs> but like okay, they, they, they they um they get a huge discount, but like these multimillionaire athletes don't pay anything. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, it's oh, God, a, it's no. just it's just fucked up sometimes. That rules. Um yeah. I mean not for us uh plebs, but like you know, if you ever did make that kind of money and you get like a discount, even though you have no right ever earning a discount when you make <laughs> that kind of money, like that for that kind like, of what's room. the point? Like you they get yeah, cars yeah. for free, they get a lot of shit for free. The car thing is the most like can't well, they, they get a tangent, right? but like one, right? you know the 
the uh, the Chris Pronger threads where he's like going over the finances oh, yeah. of like, like a hockey player, and he's like, you know, every year you gotta buy a seventy four thousand dollar car, and you gotta buy a house for one hundred sixty eight thousand dollars. Yeah, price. and you're like, I like, yeah, bro, you I, played in the nineties and the two thousands. You got fucking ripped off if you were spending that much on a car and a house. Yeah. Anywhere. And also, yeah, like season. And, and yeah, annually? No, like Yeah, that I, was the I, thing. You said now, annually. I, yeah, I assume that was just a hit like Typo. a miscalculation while chewing a Twitter thread, which is always a kind of a dumb way to get like the new stats across because of how weird it is and how like janky it is to put a whole thread like that together. So I kind of like, cause like, okay, I don't think you actually mean that people buy a car. They players are buying a car once a year. I think you just meant once or like once every like five, six years or something, but uh, still what <laughs> I will counter and say hockey players are also the types to, you know, put in like a backyard hockey rink or basketball court with their team branding on it and then get traded <laughs> in that same year like right ryan johansson did after he oh, that was his stuff with the columbus blue jackets and he that immediately a... got traded oh, oh that was God. that's a bummer that's, that's, a that's not a yeah. good idea no but that's what i mean it's like <laughs> they don't really think that far ahead so like if if someone went to chris pronger like hey man you're here for another eight months i i got a car for you but it's gonna cost you 400 million dollars and he'd be like well I guess I gotta say yes. Or maybe his agent was ripping him off. That would actually be really funny too. Oof. It's like oh god. Like so like counter to what Lachlan's saying is that like he that it's tough doing these things on the fly, but like Chris Bronger was talking with his agent and he had all this planned out and had all the numbers and didn't think twice about it. And his agent was like, Yeah, yeah, it, it costs you seventy grand for the car. Yeah. That that's why oh. I took all that money from you. Yeah. Yeah. He's it's like it's like the it's like Blackadder with his as like the butler for King George where he's just like constantly taking money from him and like yeah he's like, he's like yeah I've already have it in my pocket don't worry yeah it's, it's the exact same thing like well because like like in kind of like a bad way like who how many of those players in the NHL have had their like parents rip them off for millions of dollars I mean when they're Jack, there oh my god. Jack Johnson. I mean, and apparently, like, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to read the article yet, but apparently, he just got his degree and everything, which is really good for him. Like, in terms yeah, of, yeah, he like, did. He he's just apparently got been it, getting his right degree. after uh, game one, I think, or like, yeah, like during the finals, yeah. he has been yeah. working on getting his degree from. I, I don't know exactly what degree I think it, it was. was. DU, but <laughs> I don't know. What? But, like, good for him. Like, but, oh god but like good for him like like in the sense of like he had literally got ripped off by his own parents and now like good for him that he's getting himself that he's getting like uh, a little bit more stability and making sure he's like uh got it down together next time and doesn't have to worry about that again like good what, for him. what if he came out like he's like i graduated and for my first act with my uh financial management major is i'm going to invest half of my earnings into crypto and he just oh, became God. like a huge public crypto bro and just oh, lost dear. all the money. I'd be again. very so I'd be so sad. That honestly <laughs> that would honestly just make me really depressed. I'd be like, oh, like, or like it turns out he's like, and that's why I am now a Mary Kay consultant. Like oh, yeah, hell yeah. For herbal life. It's like, oh no, 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 no. Don't do that. Um yeah. as far as now uh, we as far as Kuzmenko is concerned, um, I'm like, I don't, we don't know the contract yet for sure. I think it still technically hasn't been signed. I think they're signing it tomorrow. They, they can't announce it until like the 13th or something like that. 
I yeah, think. Some, so it's like we won't like really that. know the specific details, but we do I know mean, like KHL free agents, you're technically not allowed to sign them to anything more than like one year and like league minimum or like it, it can't be more than a million bucks. So it's like regardless of what he signed to, it's going to be like a cheap deal that you don't really have to worry about. Like it can be buried yeah. in the minors or bought out easily enough. So, but no like, stress about it yeah like and everything you said at the beginning with kuzmenko is so true like the fact of like that the fact that they got convinced a like not like again like kuzmenko is not necessarily like it's not like oh this is the biggest fish free agent in the entire league and the canucks managed to snag him right like but it was like a guy who was highly touted and was like a guy that a lot of player assert like uh, a lot of player uh teams were after and mm-hmm. wanted including edmonton um and like, look, we've harped on this with the previous regime a lot. Like, one of the big, one of the things that always drove me crazy watching this team operate during around free agency wasn't even that they were necessarily trying to spend money on big free agents or something like that. Like, in a way, you like that because you're like, okay, it's good that we're not cheaping out. They are willing to spend to the cap to put a team together. It just was. It just was always on the wrong players for what they needed. And the bigger issue at hand, though, was always that the Canucks as a franchise shouldn't have to pay a premium to get players because, like, there are so many things to like about playing in Vancouver if you're an NHLer. Like, and, and people are like, oh, but the market and the media and the pressure. It's like, okay, sure, but that doesn't stop people from signing for big checks in in Toronto or in Montreal or in other Canadian markets. So why Vancouver? And it's never been about that. It's been about the franchise was clearly not doing themselves a service, a service and was clearly making it hard for any players, any big name players or any like really legit talents to want to come play for them. Mm -hmm. So they had to jack up the price to get any sort of, any sort of free agent to come. Yeah. And Instead of like, convincing them with Alyssa Steakhouse, they had to do it with uh, extra zeros on the contract. Yeah, exactly. It was like, and it was one of those things where it's like, you shouldn't have to as Vancouver. Like, it's a beautiful city. It, you're never worried. You're, all, you're always going to have good, at least ownership stability. You're, te- you're going to be playing in a city that loves you. And like, will absolutely, like you mentioned, like you'll never have to buy a drink in this, in this town again. Like, that's great. Like, well, after like, hearing about their discounts, I don't know. They should be buying. I don't know. May- yeah, maybe. Um, but like, yeah, like that's one of those things where the Canucks, yeah, they should be in a position to sign the biggest names if they, if they're playing their, uh, if they're doing their best job at marketing themselves to those players, that was half, that was hack, half the reason that Mike Gillis went so hard after Matt Sundin that one time. Mm -hmm. It's not because he thought, oh, this is the piece to win the cup necessarily. It's because we want to prove that big name future Hall of Famers want to play here and would be be willing to come here. And it worked. So (laughs) it's like, so that, and that's why the, and that's where the Canucks should be at. That's also why things like uh, Jim Rutherford talking about how much they want their own practice facility matters and why, like one of the things you've heard about recently with Edmonton, actually one of the things Edmonton has done well in terms of their organization is they purposely, when they built their new arena, they purposely made the visitors locker room just as nice as the home team's locker room because, and the Islanders did the same thing because they want visiting players to come through and say, Oh wow. They treat everybody really well here. Mm -hmm. Like that, those are the kinds of little things and like, 
additions you can make outside of the salary cap that will get free agents to come here. And like, look at Kazmeko, like the guy's not even supposed to sign yet. And he's already posting on Instagram, the picture of him in the Jersey, in the hat with the, with the paperwork in front of him. Like, and then he's going surfing right after. Yeah. He's super jacked. Yeah. Clearly he's he's excited to be a Canuck. Which is best time. It's hot coos summer. Which is yeah. Hot coos summer. Exactly. Which is such a breath of fresh air. Like when was the last time the Canucks won a big like a like a higher named free agent like to come over here was it not like troy stetcher i was gonna say i'm pretty sure it was troy stetcher and then like yeah. that's can it we, yeah like can, can we, we can get we... him back yeah please please i um, want him back i miss him please we can oh, yeah. use okay. d- help we on need that on in that. the locker room we need a troy stetcher in our locker room we need room. a troy stetcher it is shocking looking back on like that particular ncaa free agent class realizing the canucks got the best player but somehow still lost him at the end of the day like remember like there's so much I'm hype around drake Kajula, who is never the other big name out of that group remember, yeah I that was at that time too they signed stetcher and everyone was convinced like drake Kajula was going to come too and they were just going to yeah. replicate like their north dakota success and then yeah, he went to Edmonton. It was like, right. oh, it's like, oh, okay. At the end of the day, that wasn't a huge loss, but like, but, but also that's because Edmonton if he played with Brock, it yeah. could have been. It could have been. Could have back to out. Brock, and then Brock yeah. will stay. Wow, yeah, yeah. that's the other thing we haven't <laughs> even gotten into. But hey, this helps with contract. With this help, getting a getting a guy like Kazmenko is going to help at least with Besser with Besser's extension because that means they now have another roster spot or at least the assumed roster spot like lined up for next season that now they don't have to worry about allocating as much cap space too that they don't already have. So that's mm-hmm. big for them. And we were talking about Stetcher on the right on playing right defense. Like there's another guy coming up who might be kind of interesting to look at as well. Yeah. Um, it's too bad that the Vancouver Canucks settled all their money on fucking Tucker Pullman. Because you know what that you know what Ethan Bear's qualifying offer is? It's exactly what Tucker Pullman makes. It's two point five million dollars. Jesus, like it's. I, I love Ethan Bear. I love and him. Ethan, okay, so this is this is what blows my mind is that Ethan Bear had like a down year in Carolina, but he when he was much. when he was a first pair guy for Edmonton like three years ago or whatever, um, he was like legitimately good and put up like thirty points in seventy games as like a first pair guy so like he could theoretically still play that way now that he's like older and like i'm just picturing like okay throw him with hughes so you finally have him with like a like a guy born like in the 90s and not like the 1960s like <laughs> that'd be great for quinn hughes but wow. you can't when you sign tucker pullman to a four-year uh 10 million dollar contract to be that guy for quinn hughes like Tucker Pullman had three points last year. Is, that, is, is he signed that long? Yeah, yeah. it was a four-year deal. Oh it was literally such a bad deal that I other... It was only other, two years for some that, reason. It was four. No, that was, was like Hamannick, the other yeah, bad defensive contract. Oh, we got signed. rid of that one. Yeah, that, yeah. So that's literally the only thing that gives me hope here is that, look, if the if Patrick Alvin can unload Travis Hamannick's bad contract... <laughs> He can unload well, anybody on on an okay. He can, well, he can trade is, anybody. Hamlet like, only has one year left on his deal now, but Pullman says three. Yeah, and <laughs> like so, like so that's going to be a little more difficult. When it comes a little to the bit Bear more thing too. If you're Ethan Bear, you're like, okay, well, uh, Tucker Pullman had three points last year, and two of them came in the same game. 
And that guy got two and a half million dollars. And I am way fucking better than Tucker Pullman ever will be. Um, maybe he skates a bit faster than me and is a bit bigger, but like it's just like I'm better than him. So the comparable alone will mean that the guy is probably asking Carolina to pay him more than they're willing to pay, which is why we're getting in the news via Elliot Friedman that he's like free to talk with other teams, which is too bad because it'd be so dope to have Ethan Bear with the Cree syllabics Canucks jersey. Goddamn. Fucking Jim Benning. <laughs> Raising my fist in yeah. the air. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Alvin couldn't maybe clear out cap space. I mean, that's what they're going to be doing. And the whole thing with the, the other thing about with like the, with the Kuzmenko signing is that that's already been talked about how that opens up more options for who they can maybe deal away to try and free that cap space up. Um, like I'm looking, I, I mean, if the Canucks can find a way to free up that room, right now and i don't know mm-hmm. where it's necessarily coming from like i mean i you look at obviously the left side the left wing is kind of right now where some of the open area is and like again tanner pearson is a guy who i'd love to have if the team was a little bit closer to competing and not on such a you know didn't have so like a decent amount of time like two years left on his deal right mm-hmm. or if, if i'm looking at that correctly like but i mean if you can move tanner pearson to a team and there's no doubt about it you could he's a he's clearly got value he's a very good hockey player and somebody who again like in a different scenario you'd love to have is there a is there a team willing to maybe take on a to take a peer a guy like a peer like pearson or connor garland or something like that that is willing to also offload one of your your bad deals onto that you could see like kind of working that way around to try and get ethan bear to kind of uh solidify that right side a little bit more i could very much see tanner pearson being moved because jim rutherford already hates him first off from the pittsburgh oh, days he I don't he'll think he he'll never him. forget tanner pearson's really good but i could very much see them doing what they did last year with um the hammock thing where they flip him for you know Dermot. whoever the fuck it was Dermot, <laughs> Dermot. like yeah, some they, other guy they, 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 like, for the roundabout for Dermot, which was a good yeah. move I, I could see them very much just flipping tanner pearson for literally anything maybe like even a defenseman and then claiming someone off of waivers to replace or fill the void like that's what i could see them doing just so that they you know money out and then you know just hold on for dear life with whatever they can get for free because that's what they do with Brad Richardson. Brad Richardson was perfectly fine. And, you know, he's not Tyler Mott, but hey, he filled the void when they needed them to in meaningless hockey. And there's probably going to be a lot of meaningless hockey next year. So I'm sure Pearson's probably going the, the Mott route next year, is my guess, if they can find a taker. That's just a hunch, though. He's got some term on him, which makes it a little different, which will make it like a little bit you know, uh, a little, e- like a little bit tougher, especially like the deadline per se to like move him. Whereas like with mod, obviously UFA, like somebody's loading up. I do, I do like looking at the group, at the group of like teams that kind of need the help, especially like scoring wise and teams that don't have say a lot of money tied up necessarily already into big long-term deals. Like Seattle might be an interesting team as terms, if you're trying to find a taker for him, especially because, Seattle expected themselves to be a lot more competitive in their first year than they actually were. And that was (laughs) hilarious, but also you kind of saw it coming. Like, 
yeah, that was a like, tough what one. What were those picks? The, well, what were those picks? We can do that. What were those picks? There's so many other great players that were not protected. Yeah. Man, it like, was, I just, I just think, a like, fascinating draft. Like, so imagine they had actually acquired Carey Price and they just threw him on LTI to start the year and then they just have like eons of cap space and like it wouldn't have affected them in any way. And then next year when he's healthy, suddenly you just have Carey Price on your roster, assuming he like comes back. Yeah. Like, like a free starting goaltender, but instead you spend seven million dollars on Philip Crew Power and Chris yeah. Dreger, like guys who had like one good year. Like God damn. And then that was I mean Anyone error. knew that that team was doomed the second they ha- signed uh, Dave Haxtell to be their coach? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> like, it was just oh like, my oh, God. oh they're they're like, gonna, okay, so this is terrible. how they're going to do it. All right. Yeah. Cool. But That's guys, awesome. guys, Dave Haxtell coached Ron Francis's kid in college that one time. Like, clearly that he must know what time. he's doing. Like, and I thought Ron Francis knew what he was doing, but apparently not. So, look, there, there's a reason <laughs> Carolina got way better the second they hired somebody else. That was the I biggest, don't really like... want to, but the thing is, that team that when um, they Carolina hired Don Waddell, mm-hmm. it was built by Ron Francis to a degree, but like, <laughs> yeah. I think like they the, the finishing touches that made them as good as they were were definitely more were more to do with what Don Waddell put in put in and place. And then last right? season he just went haywire. Yeah. yeah. Hey, no. <laughs> but they I don't like know a, what's wrong with that man. Well, because like they do the money ball thing, right? Where they're like, we're not gonna spend any money. Our ownership is cheap as shit. So we need to find like bargains wherever we can by signing guys that nobody wants, like Tony D or trading for Max Domi or whatever. Like- which to be which to be fair as far as like the regular season is concerned that's done not too badly yeah it worked i'm not saying it's a problem it's like it well domi didn't really work but domi didn't work but like yeah remember when he was good yeah (laughs) do you remember remember that remember when he was a montreal canadian like when he was a montreal how many montreal canadians prospects like okay so the canadians have the first overall pick coming up right with shane wright or uh but like I'm just thinking back to like all the times the Canadians have drafted relatively high, and it's like, oh, oh no, this has not worked out for you. Let's see, like Alex Galchenyuk, uh, like uh, Max Domi, like oh, Ms. there's Barry a Kotkaniemi, Barry Kotkaniemi, <laughs> like oh boy, yeah. there's a there's a long well, list of struggle. So, but now that so was Mark Bergevin, who is now so, gone. So. So oh on, god, on, that's not even on Jamie's last point year. of Don Waddell, Waddell doing weird shit. Like the offer sheet for Kakanyemi of all players. Oh my god, it was such deal. a meme. It was such a meme. I was like, that's hilarious. It but... was high key funny <laughs> that the Canadians called their bluff. Like that was very funny. Yeah, they just, just didn't. Like... They just didn't match it because that's ridiculous. It was also a terrible deal to sign him to afterwards. Like it's like a nine-year, four-point-eight million-dollar contract. It's like he's not that good. I think they want him to be two C one day. One day, I I guess it's just like (laughs) one day you're you're memeing at this point, hoping he's going to be like anything more than like a third or fourth. He'll be there until Svechnikov wants a new deal. So yeah, true. Which. Isn't that soon? Isn't he on a bridge right now? No, he's close. there for nine years. Oh, really? Okay. Oh. I mean, I oh, okay, so they're okay. They're low. No, they're they fine. signed him last season. They signed uh, him last okay. season. Okay. Some reason I okay. thought he was on a bridge. But they okay. just have to worry about um Aho and Taravainen um finishing together. 
<laughs> hey, we all got to worry about finishing together sometimes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> they why not? finish on the same year, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. By, hey, so yeah. Cody. It takes a little while sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. I had I had to squeeze that one in there. I knew you, you would. set me up. You set me up. Yeah. Right. Softball just right They're over also the both finish. Yeah. That <laughs> eh, it works. Um, all right. Let's get into some NHL awards. Um, I mean, who cares? That's my opinion. Seriously. We talked about this before we started recording. Like, unless players are voting, I just don't give a shit. I don't, I don't, like, whenever I see like um, media people like arguing about like their ballots and why, and like fighting like plebs on the internet over why they shouldn't have or should have ranked Austin Matthews higher than third. It's just like, who gives a shit? I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't really care if you think he's you... the best player in the world and someone said he's he's second, not first. Like it doesn't fucking matter. It's if so the player, if, if all the players were like, Yeah, McDavid's the best, we all struggle to play against him, that actually means something, then like like we'll we can talk about this right away. Tuka Rask and his four fucking games played earns him an all-star vote. And these same people are awarding players with the Selkie or the Norris or the heart. It's just like some of these guys don't know what the fuck they're doing. And they're in charge of like, actually like validating whether or not these players are good. And it's like, no, no, let the players do it. I don't like, I don't want to hear about it. Fully but, agree. Like, yeah, the, the it's a the, clown show basically. Yeah. yeah. The, like the, one of the places you can always trust the players to get an honest opinion on guys is from the, like, is from these like votes and stuff is on the awards and stuff like that. Like you'll always hear, you'll always be surprised when like they, they do like these polls, I think during the season where they ask questions like who is the most like anonymously, like who is the most, the best goal, the hardest goalie to play against, who is the, uh, the hardest player to play against, who is the easy, who, who, what player bothers you the most. They actually are like, weird like they're they're usually actually like routinely like a little bit spicy which is incredible because they're always like who's the most overrated player and it's an anonymous like poll it's like oh that's actually kind of that's actually kind of fun um we love gossip um we but we love the hot goss we love the hot goss and yeah like you're right like the ted Lindsay is so much Lindsay. more important Lindsay Lindsay is more ted, hey, California yeah. coming out a bit. ted Lindsay, i guess i don't know they're like giving out awards Oh my god! Yeah, I love the Californian sketches. From the valley, Spirit, what are you I'm eating? I'm Lachlan here? from the valley. From the valley, from I took Calvin the 401 valley. over to over to Maholland, and then I took the 425 down to San Diego. Wait, is it Mul is it Maholland or Mulholland? I don't even know. I don't oh, live okay. in SoCal. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Yeah, oh, do, I you, got do you Petaluma kids look down on the SoCal? Oh, God, SoCal Nor folks? NorCal is where it's at. Those SoCal okay. people think they're so cool because they live <laughs> near Hollywood and Disneyland and they've got more beaches. Like, no, no. Don't get it's, me started on them SoCal kids. Yeah, we have San Francisco and Oakland, which are way more fun. Oakland. Uh, Oakland is great. <laughs> yeah, Oakland score. Oh, oh. Actually, here's the thing. Oakland is better than San Francisco. Like that that's actually yeah. There's there's a reason you're told otherwise and I can tell and it's a, not a great reason um why people are weird about Oakland, particularly does, white people are weird it, about Oakland. Does yeah. it rhyme with tracism? It sure does, Cody. That's right. <laughs> I Oakland can't believe is, it. Uh, Oakland's actually phenomenal. I'm Oakland's shocked. 
Oakland's a lovely city to go to. Um, well, nice. we'll lots of great in the show notes. Yeah, I would say it's time. much Ooh. better. It's yeah, I would say I like going to Oakland more than San Francisco. We'll um, we'll but sure. as far as the Ted Lindsay is concerned, um, uh, I the again, Oakland like, of awards, if you will. <laughs> Oakland of awards. That's right. San Francisco. The Hart Trophy is San Francisco because it gets all the famous notoriety <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, movies. Yeah. But the Ted Lindsay is Oakland because it's well not as popular. It is undoubtedly better um uh, yeah austin <laughs> and Matthews. the vezina is hollywood because it's overrated and nobody no, cares about it no the, no, vezina, no the vezina is disneyland because it's the it's what you want the world to be at all times if it could be like it's what? it's the ideal world uh, that doesn't exactly. make any sense goaltender <laughs> goal, goalies are more important is what i'm saying um goalies are the are the best part about hockey is what i'm saying um but yeah austin matthews winning the heart uh the heart trophy like who cares but he won the ted Lindsay, so that that's so much more important and in a lot of ways you almost wish that more of the awards were voted on by the players rather than yeah. say like the vesna itself i don't believe is if uh, i correct me if i'm wrong the vesna is actually voted on by the gms and officially and they, and they all hate doing it so they just defer to their goalie coaches which is super yeah. funny yeah like yeah because it's again it's it makes no sense and then uh there's like the whole thing of like gm of the year the ballots for that don't have to be in at the same time as everyone else they have to be in at like the, after like the third round which means that of course it recency bias is going to play in and they're just going to give it to the teams in the conference finals yeah and which in itself like gm is gm of the year is already a bad award because the actual gm of the year award is the stanley cup like it makes no sense yeah it's, such, it's so dumb it, it, the, there's a lot of dumb things about the awards but hey yeah. And naturally, and naturally, a league of like seventy-year-old men running teams, like the majority of them are going to vote for whoever like basically got to the finals based on like getting goalied, mm -hmm. and like basically just like the anything can happen mentality. Like, oh, well, this guy's team got yeah. there. Like, hasn't Julian Breezeball never won? It's. I think so. I like there's think some, there was won. something really dumb, and it was like John. Lula Morello won. won last year. Like I know. We spent like one of our last episodes talking about like their cap and how they're just like so fucking doomed. they're so screwed. And like, then, and last year the other finalist was Mark Bergevin because the Canadians got to the finals, even though they yeah, finished yeah. in fourth. They finished in fourth in their own division. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. that's not they a, got that's in not a GM of the from year. A fluke. They, got, they in. got in from a fluke. They got in how many OT losses they somehow, had. Yeah, and somehow <laughs> that was GM of the year worthy just because they went to the Cup finals. Like. And then immediately imploded the second their goaltender uh, had to miss time. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, that's why the it's so dumb. Like the like, yeah, I it it does not matter. Hockey but is like, dumb. hockey <laughs> is dumb. Sports are dumb. That's what the real takeaway should be. Uh, but hey, Kale McCarr won the Norris. Maurice Sider won the Calder, which Jamie's very excited about. Like, okay, that was like, and I some love new, it. Like, there were like. As far as like usual NHL award voting goes this year, at least the winners this year were stomachable. Like, I don't think there was anyone where I'm like, this is the dumbest. The fact the fact that they won is so dumb. Like, if Michael Bunting had won the Calder, oh my god, like it would that make sense. Been so either dumb. Mo or Zegris would have won. Yeah, way more sense. Yeah, it yeah. would have been. Yeah, they didn't Michael have Bunting like winning. They He's like what, one year away Austin from the cutoff Matthews or something? and Mitch something Marner like that, yeah. feeding them, yeah. or them feeding him, feeding them. 
Yeah, Mort like, Sider was a number one right D on a fucking dog shit team, putting up nearly forty points, like next to like what Danny DeKaiser or like yeah. some other thirty-seven-year-old garbage ass left defenseman. Like Mort Sider was fucking unreal, yeah. given what he had to play with. Him and yeah, Lucas guess... Raymond just like yeah out there. Yeah, they that's why. That's why Quinn Hughes should have won. Uh, Calder over uh, what? What's his name? Macar. Uh, Makar, yeah, because he should have. Makar was on a fucking legit team right yeah. from the get go, whereas Quinn Hughes had to buoy so much better. <laughs> so much, yeah. So oh, Makar is definitely like, Marker, yeah, yeah Makar is very good, but I'm just clearly saying, clearly like, better, clearly the, the better rookie, defense for their rookie years. Quinn Hughes should have won just given how badly he had to buoy a Canucks defense that could not and still can't move the puck a like thousand percent to like insane degree he's the only guy like Kale McCarr at least has some backup like Quinn Hughes has no one like he was on an island he did I don't think that year he did I think that year he still uh, like it was it it wasn't like they were particularly like understaffed. It was like it wasn't like they were great, but he, they weren't understaffed either. Like they clearly had the other defense. Their defense is obviously way better this year. Yeah, because yeah. I don't because remember got, them being that great. Like no, they were in that like they the were in bubble, that kind of so. like gray area where they were like we're really good in um. Sometimes. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> but that's but that's also not why anyone votes for a player for the Calder. They don't vote a guy for rookie of the year because they're like, oh, he was good defensively. They just vote on who scored the most points. Like Yeah. And right, that's why Makar won that year. Out. What was their decor in 2019? He could feed passes to I Nathan only know, McKinnon like, all day. Three three people. Ian Cole. Oh, you know yeah, what? Ian Cole was on that team. You know what? <laughs> Okay, that's right. Ian Cole, who is good we're, defensively. We're, we're all very stupid. He played next to Sam Gerard the entire time. Yeah. Because yeah, Sam Gerard. Because everyone's talking about Jared Bednar or whatever for how brave he was for putting two undersized guys on a pairing and then being like really successful together. That's right. And Quinn Hughes, what? Quinn Hughes that year had to spend time with like J- Jordy Ben, Oscar <laughs> Fantenberg. Like, it was Tanner mostly. It was yeah. Tanner. It was like, Tan- yeah, but like the, the, when, when they would switch it up, they would have, there was like, that was who he was having to drag along when he wanted, when they wanted to like do anything. <laughs> I think during the season, it was Graves that um, mm-hmm. Makar was paired with. It was during Who's- the bubble, he got paired with Gerard Moore because they needed more scoring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, like, I, I'm just thinking, like, okay, Lou Lamorello wins GM of the Year <laughs> right before trading Devon Taves for two picks because he was completely capped he, out. Like, Joe did it! He did he'd it! already done it, too, by that point. Like, he had yeah, already made the Devon Taves trade, which oh was so dumb immediately. That's, that's like, you're like, this incredible. is the stupidest thing you could have done. Yeah, like, he did that at the beginning of the season. Like during the off season, I'm pretty so sure Devon Tames played with them last year. Mm-hmm. And I remember, well, like, I watched a weird amount of Islanders games that year, and I was like, "Hey, this Devon Taves guy is really good." Like, like, and then they traded him. I'm like, "Are Trader you Trader Joe, man? Trader yeah, Joe, good for Joe Sackick. Like, Let's clearly, go." <laughs> like, uh, yeah, Jamie is very excited, but like, but yeah, like, that's where we're at now. Where yeah like the that the gm of the year award is so dumb on so many levels like and i would say that if a canuck was up for it like if they were up for it just based on like the team getting to the conference finals like okay were they actually good enough to be there or were they the lou lamorello team that just Mm -hmm. had a decent run 
but Two was completely like imagine if Jim Benning had won had won a final had been like a finalist for GM of the year in the bubble just because they got to game seven <laughs> against Vegas and then Honestly, immediately let everyone go like it, yeah no <laughs> that'd be amazing yeah, yeah. Like, thank oh, you like I like to know what I, he's doing at all like he goes up for his like he goes up for his acceptance speech and he's like I'd like to thank uh I'd like to thank uh Jacob Markstrom, Tyler Toffoli, Troy <laughs> yeah. Stetcher, all these guys. Uh we'll miss you. And like, wait, what is wait, what does he say? Yeah. Like what what does he mean by we'll miss you? He's, like he's he's announcing all of his plans. Everyone go. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't have won this award without any of you. And I'm going to miss you all so much. I'm going to miss you all <laughs> when you're in Calgary. It's a big hush over the crowd. Like, what? Like, what oh, yeah. I ran- like, they're is- playing the music to get him off the <laughs> yeah, stage. Yeah. Like- He's like, yeah, then he starts going into his plans. Like, so I don't have the money to re-sign any of you. And it's like, Jim. Yeah. John Weisbrot is literally like putting on like some mu- like elevator music to just throw everyone off. Like, oh, God, don't give this away. Like, yeah. You know what? Okay, so... Pat, if, if Patrick Alvin, wait, no, what's his name? Yeah, Patrick Rutherford. Jim, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin. So if Jim, if Jim Alvin wants something to do, <laughs> oh Cody, I, you know what he should, he what he should do, he should go to Lou Lamorello and be like, look, buddy, um, you're screwed. You've got Adam Pellich on like a six million dollar year deal with all these kinds of trade protections. Why don't you trade him before it kicks in to me and I'll give you a much shorter deal in Tucker Pullman in return to try and help out your cap situation. Cause then the team gets an, uh, a left shot defenseman. That's actually good. And then you try and move OEL somehow, or you let Adam Pellich uh, play on the right side because like contrary to what Travis Green would have, do you think defensemen can do that? They can yeah. play on their offside. Weird. I- I literally wrote an article this week for, uh, for Canucks Army about like things that the Canucks can be learning from the teams that are currently in the Cup Finals, and one of the things that we that we touched on was just how the defense, how the quality of the defense uh, that you have, it like overall is so much more important than oh, who's the partner for this guy? Who's the mm-hmm. partner for this guy? Especially because when injuries happen, they're going to have to get shuffled around. People are going yeah. to be shuffled around. And you're so much better going on a situation where you're like, okay, we have loaded up half the, the left side with as many good guys as possible, and we're finding mm-hmm. our stop gaps in between for the right, which is totally what the the Lightning have done. Like They have Hedman, McDonough, and Sergachev all on that left side, completely locked yeah. into big-time deals. And then on the other side, it's just Bogosian. A bunch of, a bunch of tough guys. Yeah. Yeah, like they they don't they don't have to be amazing. Like they're not like going out there like we need the best partner ever for Victor Head. Yeah, they're just like, they're like we we're can, gonna find a capable guy. We can get by with seven uh, D and having Yan Ruda rotate with Jack Zach Bajok. Wow, Zach, Zach Bogosian. There you go on their third pair of minutes. Jesus. Okay, so that's a that's a sign that maybe we should start wrapping this up because holy fuck, yeah, I can't. But talk, yeah, like apparently. that's but that's exactly why. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into the coaching stuff before I try and fail Cody is very tired guys I'm very tired okay so we're gonna we're gonna speed roll we're gonna run through these coaching things because who cares John Tortorella in as head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers great hire fantastic Uh, I can't wait for Willie to go (laughs) 
<laughs> did did we get into this drama last time? I can't remember what we talked a little bit because it was a rumor, but it wasn't official yet, if I remember correctly. Now it's yeah, a, but like they have locked him in. Oh, okay. Locked and loaded. We, we talked about the the Lauren Kyle McDavid thing, and we yes. talked about um that guy who wanted to s- slam his sister. <laughs> this drama was when the rumor came out that Tortorella was going to be hired as head coach. Uh, who was it on their Instagram being like, great hire. And then it was uh, Zach Wierenski. And Cap- <laughs> Cam Axton was like, mind your own business or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and then and Brandon Dubinsky was like, Dubinsky hmm, was no, like prayer was like yeah. prayers emoji from yeah. Brandon Dubinsky, who famously had a very bad experience with John Tortorella. Famously did not get along with him very much. Yeah. Um, hmm. So I'm a big fan of this hire because the Flyers are just still in that like no man's land of they don't even know what the fuck they want to do. And famously, John Tortorella, the last time he was coaching a team that didn't quite know what they were going to do, ended up fired after one year on the job. And it resulted in the team completely imploding. A team that he also inherited from Elaine Vigneault. (laughs) I wonder who it is. Yeah. Hmm. Who could that that? possibly be? You know what? This might be a good sign. Maybe the Flyers need to ditch um, whoever the fuck their GM is. Uh, Chuck Fletcher. Chuck Fletcher. Fletcher. And they need to hire Jim Benning. That's true. That's very true. I mean, that's where this is going. That's where this is leading. He'll get Willie. Yeah. He'll hire (laughs) Willie. And they hire Willie DeJardins. Who will obviously lead them to a cup final and win? They'll skip uh, over Linden because he's. Be, they'll skip over Linden, I think, but they'll go to like they'll get a similar type of like president of hockey ops guy, like a guy who's not necessarily yeah. held a role in that scenario before, but mm-hmm. is like a former flyer. Well, like yeah. actually, and that's half the look. That's half the reason the Flyers are in as much trouble as they are. Like Bobby Clark was their GM from I want to say like the mid nineties to like, like the early two thousands. Yeah, yeah, to like yeah, to like the ever. early 2000s and he's still there in the front office. And yeah. so is I think Paul Holmgren who had the the GM job after him. Like yeah, all like of they're... their former GMs <gasps> except for Ron Hextall who's now with the Penguins are all still in working in the front office in some capacity and that is so bad for running a team. Like Yeah, they're like Obviously, like we've talked in the past too about like the old boys club mentality of like the Vancouver Canucks and how like we didn't really want to see them hiring too many guys from the 2011 Cup run. Yeah, and then like we wanted to see them like hire like like diverse people, people that were actually qualified for the job that they had. And then Alvin comes or Alvin and Rutherford come in and they you know they hire Cami Renato, they hire uh, Rachel Dory, Rachel Dory, um, the the lawyer, the agent. I'm not going to uh, try to pronounce Emily Castingay. Thank you. Because I can't pronounce words right now. Um, so that's good. Diversity is great. Fantastic. The Philadelphia Flyers are the perfect example of what not to do with an old boys club. Because the Edmonton Oilers were always like kind of like the like the cream of the crop of an old boys club running a team into the dirt. And even then, it's nothing compared to the Flyers, where it's like if yeah. you were there in the 70s, you are an assist or you are a senior advisor or a part of hockey ops in some capacity. And they are stuck in trying desperately to play Broad Street Bullies hockey and recreate that team. And they've been trying for 20, 30 something years. And sure, they got 
I think they got to a cup final in 2012 or whatever it was. 2010. They got there in 2010. Drew's yeah. like first year or whatever. We talked about this in one of our episodes. Um, <laughs> and you can tell when they didn't win, they were probably like, oh, it's because we didn't fight enough. We weren't tough enough. And they've been trying that for so long where I'm convinced that Zach McEwen and his three points, but his 155 penalty minutes is probably looked at like their as their biggest asset, even though he's not an NHLer by any stretch. Like they're... He fought basically every game. Because that's all he can do. He it's can't ridiculous. play. He, he could kind of play when he was here because he didn't have to fight he, all the time. He, he, he had, had he, the problem of not being fast enough to play with the puck at the NHL level, but fast enough to look like he's trying really hard. Yeah. And so- for some people, that's enough. Like the Flyers, who are like, <laughs> we want guys who try hard. And like he's fight. willing to fight. That's he's a, why yeah. he's him. fine. Stopgap guy, but like you, he's not part of your. You, you don't look at Zach McEwen and go, "Oh, this is part of our long term plan." Like he's going to be here for the foreseeable future. He's, the whereas the Flyers like are totally doing that. And like, yeah, like I'm looking at his his points line. Right, his best year in Vancouver, the full when he played 17 games with the Canucks in the 2019-20 season, he scored six points. Like, yeah, that's actually pre- that's pretty good for a guy who's only playing fourth-line minutes. Like, six points in 17 games is great. Yeah, uh, He had a obviously had a rougher go with 34 games with the Canucks in 2021 and only had two that year. But, like, even then, it's like, oh, the team just wasn't that good. Last year with the Flyers, he played 75 games for them. He was a good nightly played. player. He, he was, was a regular he was every, crazy. Every night. He only didn't play, I think, because he was injured. He had yeah. nine points. And nine points. Minutes? Minutes. A hundred and ten. Okay, so we're he had a hundred and ten penalty minutes. Is it, this nice. is not the fault of Zach McEwen, okay? Zach McEwen worked his ass off to get to he the did. NHL level. Yeah, he no. arguably would be an AHL all-star if he was still there because, like, his skill set fits the AHL so well that – he like he doesn't need the high end speed to succeed as well. His shot's really good, but he just can't get it off in the NHL level. So it's not his fault yeah. that he's thrust into a role that just kind of relegates him to goon duty. I'm sure that yeah. sucks for him because yeah. it's like yeah. you don't go from a point per game AHL player and then you're just like the only way you can keep your job is oh yeah, fight the toughest guy on the other team or you're not gonna have a role here in the NHL. That probably yeah. sucks. And the guy lost his dad. He's a great story. His dog's really cute. His girlfriend's really cute too. Like they're a cute couple and they post shit on Instagram all the time. And like, I, I hate shitting on the guy and yeah, it's not his it, fault. It's not, but it's it's not just like, his fault. It's the flyer's fault for looking at a guy like Zach McEwen and going, Oh, this, this is isn't who we problem. need playing behind Travis Konechny. Like that. Yeah. It's not the, it's yeah. not the player himself. It's the, it's the vision and the execution on that vision. That's the problem. And that was why things are, were so bad in Vancouver for a long time. It's the but same the team Flyers that are like, a whole other thing. Well, it's the same team that's like, hey, we're gonna sign, we're gonna trade for Cam Atkinson, who's like an undersigned, like tiny rate scorer, and but we're also good gonna player. like, yeah, he's this really not, good. Just not really worth good. the what? Just not he, absolutely not what they need. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, okay, why did you get him then? It's like, well, he's gonna be backed up by Zach McEwen, who's gonna fight for him. It's like, you really got two short people now, so yeah, score? that can score. 
but yeah. two short, that's very it, short it. people. One yep. of them yep. spicy, the other one just scores. So okay, yeah, and yeah, that's two, and that's two, and that's enough short people for this for our team, the Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers. We can only have two short guys on this team. The rest have to be huge. They all got to be giant and muscular and beefy and sexy. I mean, um, anyway, <laughs> I mean, like, Next who coach. did they sign for? Like. What's his name from Buffalo that they traded for him and then Nate, they signed him to like Nate five Tom. years? The, the defenseman, Rasmus Ristolainen. Rasmus Ristolainen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You That's think right. the Buffalo Sabres would give away mm. Tage Thompson? <laughs> no, no. I said <laughs> Nate Thompson, the, the guy who played for the Senators, not Tage Thompson. Oh. No, it was, I, um, I, th I think which I feel like again I get all of those like you, those like Atlantic guys mixed together because they're always kind of just jumping in between them like or in the Eastern Conference like yeah. they're always just jumping when they like, when they announced that extention for Ristolainen high key funny <laughs> but they're also like Shane Bostis Bear is a huge liability and we need to get rid of him yeah like, that was so stupid <laughs> yeah yeah like that that's like so like on kind of cycling back a bit like this is the whole like direction thing of like having a bunch of guys from the 70s like running your team into the ground like you can't one minute be like we're going to trade shane gostas bear because he isn't good defensively and we're gonna have to give up like a second a third and like a first to get rid of him and then in the same like six month span extend rasmus wrist to like a six-year deal who you like, also traded a huge package to get like, what are you doing? That's like some sunk cost fallacy shit. Like, that's insane. Like, so every time he was on the ice, he took a penalty. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he was doing the Tyler Myers thing. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, good luck to John Tortorella. I'm sure that won't be a disaster. Um, it's going to kill uh, them all. <laughs> other coaches hired. Um, Speaking of maybe not disasters. <laughs> uh, big fan favorite uh, of uh, Lachlan Urban. Uh, Pete DeBoer, hired by the Dallas Stars. Oh. I'm... I'm Almost Protect certain this is, this is purely just like, okay, Pete DeBoer worked with Joe Pavelski and that worked out. Maybe it'll work out again. Didn't he leave the Sharks because they didn't like him? They, he left the, okay, so he left the well, Sharks because they had to choose between, they were so up against the cap, they basically had to make the choice between Oh, no, not Logan Pavelski. Kutcher I'm talking about Pavelski. DeBoer, not Pavelski. Oh, I, know, I love Pavelski. Did, I don't I'm talking know about DeBoer. I would be surprised. I don't remember that necessarily being. I don't did know. I don't think so. He did get fired, but that was after. That was that was after because the. Er, like yeah. So so to give you kind of a little think, bit of a background on Pavelski and DeBoer, they were both on the team that beat the Knights in that famous like three nothing where Pavelski game. got his face mashed in. Yeah, where Pavelski yeah. got his face mashed in. There was a lot of concern, like, oh, he might not be the same player again because I don't think yeah. he came back the rest of the playoffs they basically had to choose between re-extending Logan Couture and extending Joe Pavelski. Couture is the younger player. They went that way, which in hindsight wasn't the right choice, but I think a lot of people were at the time were like, would have agreed with that call. Like it was, it was one of those like, oh, Pavelski is good, but he is getting up there in age. Like it makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't think there was necessarily a rift between him and DeBoer per se, but just looking at what, like DeBoer has done in the time since he got fired from the Sharks because of the, the team was clearly underperforming the season after. Um, and part of that was also just due to Martin Jones turning into a total pumpkin, which was such a bummer. Um, <laughs> but 
for like, you. <laughs> for you. Well, for everybody. Like Martin Jones was a good goalie for a brief bit there. It kind of sucked that he just went. He has hot terrible. flashes. He had he hot, hot flashes. He, look, like so he did Mrs. The- Delphire, all right? Like <laughs> that's a good line. Why don't we use that more? Um yeah, but like he got them to a cup final, which is farther than any Sharks goalie had gotten them before. So like impressive in a lot of ways. Score. But now I'm looking <laughs> at knowing at Pete, knowing Pete DeBorzamo, I am very excited to watch him go into Dallas and, and, and after ruin a bunch Jason of games, Robertson and Jake uh, Ottinger. Yeah, what I was going to literally, yeah, exactly. Like he's going to go in there and say, you know what the problem with this team is? Uh, Jake Ottinger isn't doing his job. Uh, isn't stopping the puck enough, which is going oh my in, god, which, which is, is pretty true. A, that's which good is, point. Yes, yeah, he didn't do nearly enough for Dallas. It wasn't not. It wasn't like he was the only glue holding them that entire team together. Like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's it, yeah, but that's that's Pete DeBoer's mo. When things aren't going well, he just bashes the goaltender. And mm-hmm. on a team mm-hmm. like Dallas, which is mm-hmm. as far as right now, like they've got some good guys like Jason Robertson. You mentioned they have Miro Heiskanen, who's really good. Like they they're a one line team. Like he's not going to be able to do much. Yeah, he's not going to be able to do much with that team. They're clearly a one line group unless they make some really big decisions in the like some really big changes in the offseason. It's going to be very interesting to see how far he can get without completely like dunking on like like going and trying to blame the goaltender for issues rather well, he, than he'll probably wait a him. season before he starts doing that he'll wait for the dallas stars to be bad to do that i mean it only took him half a year to give up on mark andre Fleury and throw him under the bus uh, in favor of robin leonard so who knows maybe he had a point though and then he like did tossed he? robin leonard to the side then he tossed well. robin leonard to the curb like in within a year and a half like it's, it's, uh, this is a man who has done <laughs> A, he hates lo- his goalies who That's literally loves to just blame the goaltenders for all his issues like for all of his bad coaching like yeah it's well, look yeah it'll it'll be a it'll maybe a match made in heaven by dallas <laughs> uh yeah good luck with that uh the only actual like good the hire uh by coaching right now golden knights hire bruce cassidy easy layup bruce cassidy shouldn't have been fired by boston speaking of confusing team directions not really too sure what boston's doing so that kind of makes it a bit spicy because they don't really need to be rebuild because like they still have Marshawn and he's you know unreal and um, Osternock, yeah yeah pastor still like really good mcaboy still good they still have assets but it's just weird that you would fire bruce cassidy after getting another selkie season out of patrice bergeron uh and then your goaltending's good Especially like after saying strange. publicly his job was safe and telling him to his face his job was safe prior. Yeah. Going to his awkward. house to say, hi, you're fired. Like, just, gr- just great. Just great. Just just great, Uh, uh you know, great way to run an organization. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, a little but, awkward. Yeah. But with Cassidy, like, what when we talked about Cassidy getting fired, the one thing we talked about at the time was how – like Cassidy is the perfect coach if you're a piece or two away from like being a really good group. The that's what the Golden Knights are to a, to a degree, right? Like they are very much a team that's like they could they're use not another they, star player probably. They're a probably. little old. They need they're another a ten old. million dollar star. I think, but to- but that's exactly <laughs> why Cassidy is a good fit for them because Cassidy Cassidy is not the guy you necessarily want with your young guy your young developing group. He's very much a coach you want with. Okay, we're. We're on the cusp of doing some good stuff. We just need a couple fixes here and there. Like, and that's 
then that was why Boston hired him at the time. And I think, I think, yeah, as far as, as far as like a direction is concerned, the other two coaching choices we've talked about here don't make any sense. This one, I see the logic on this one. Like I see where this makes sense to the Golden Knights and why this could work out for them. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into some Twitter questions from Twitter. Um, what do we got here? We got a couple questions. We Le- got a couple questions. Lebaneb. Lebaneb. Oh, it's Ben Abel. Okay. Yeah, it's Ben Abel From... backwards. There you go. Oh, okay. You I go. was like, man, this guy can't spell Lebanon. He sounds like me trying to talk right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. From Ben Abel on Twitter. Dylan Gunther, top Coyotes prospect acquired as the pick was... The, the, the Canucks with the Canucks and with uh, Dylan Gunther was picked at was the top priorities <laughs> prospect acquired in the trade for Garland and Ekman Larson. Would you still make this move? No, oh, fuck no. Are you insane? No, no, no. <laughs> God, no. Good, like about, it's a fair. Well, it's a fair it wasn't question. A good deal at the beginning, though. No, it wasn't a good deal at the time. It's a fair question with hindsight in terms of Garland did surprisingly well this year. I, but I like, guess if you look back in hindsight and you're one of the people that are like Garland and OEL were really good. But like they were not bad. Uh, they were terrible. Under no circumstances was anything a part of that deal worth no. the 10th overall pick. No. Absolutely not. You're out of your fucking mind if you think that Garland alone and the cap savings. You they didn't save cap. Okay, so they didn't save cap. Didn't uh, we save talked any. about this How in like save cap this? <laughs> we talked about this like ages ago when I we, tweeted out about like the actual math implications of the dollars in and dollars out. The Canucks didn't save money when they traded away Erickson, Beagle, and Roussel. Those three combined for a $12 million cap hit or whatever it was. And the Garland contract combined with OEL at whatever retention it was came at a 600 or like a $768,000 cap hit higher than what they gave away. Yeah. It was and never they gave about... the 10th overall to make that happen. Yeah. It was, it was never a horrendous deal. Yeah, it was never about the money. It's it was always about the they like the like the in in theory the two players that Benning was getting back at the time in theory are the two better players in that deal. So you're getting more value per se out of the money you're spending, but that still doesn't make it, doesn't it worth the tenth overall pick in any way, shape, or form. Especially considering where the Canucks were at. It was never about if okay. If the Canucks were a cup contending team and all and Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland were the last pieces of the puzzle to becoming a championship caliber team, then sure, I see where that could be a good trade. But the problem was Jim Benning was making that trade while they were nowhere close and pretending they were a playoff contender, which they weren't. So it made no sense. Like, it made absolutely zero sense at the time. Connor Garland's fantastic. We've sung Connor Garland's presence all year. He wasn't, but nothing is worth that. Where the Canucks were at at the time makes absolutely none of that worth it. I would much rather have Dylan Gunther right now and have the team have done as well as they did last year. Like, or even, or like, yeah. Like, yeah, nothing was going to change. They still miss the playoffs. They still, yeah. Even if you're a contender, like no team right now in the playoffs in their right minds would ever trade for Oliver Ekman Larsman's deal. Ever. Oh, yeah. But like, let, it doesn't let, matter how yeah. good of a season oh, for he has. For sure. But I'm saying, like, I'm saying in a hypothetical scenario where Con- 
Oliver Ekman Larson was say a, could be seen as a final piece. Like no. I'm, I'm saying from no one's that trading scenario, for that deal, dude, no one's trading for that deal. I agree with you, but I'm saying like in the sense of like, if that deal happened, but OEL was coming in touted a lot higher, like touted as the player he once was. Well, like you, this is you, the thing. The, the only GM who thought OEL was going to return to form was the guy who got fired several months later. That's the only true. guy making a trade for OEL. It, even if Jennings <gasps> was running the Boston Bruins in their prime, he probably wouldn't trade OEL because that boat, that contract is a fucking anchor. But he yeah. got, he did what he does with every player. He gets fixated on a guy and he went for it. Because I remember in the post like trade media availability, he had a quote, which I've tried to search for because like, I remember being shocked by it and I remember tweeting about it, but the way he phrased his reaction was that he couldn't believe that uh, what he gave up was enough to get back Ekman Larson. Like it was phrased in a sense, like he's shocked. He didn't have to give up more for OEL. Like OEL was the guy, like the prize in the deal. And that's why the 10th overall was included. And he couldn't believe that he didn't have to give up more. It was like, it was like it's it was like on paying... six fifty or whatever. It was a shocking, like, oh my god, this guy is just like it's, trying to save his ass does and doesn't like... know what he's doing. He was paid. He paid a dollar more for Coca Cola when the when there's already a no name brand that's not only tastes better, it's also like two dollars cheaper. Like that's exactly what he did. Now <laughs> two dollars. It was now to kind of now to kind of add an extra wrinkle into that question for you guys really quick. Okay, what now? Let's say let's say there's a scenario like what if that trade and get Jim bet. Okay. So Canucks make that trade. Jim Benning gets fired later on. What if it, there was an alter in an alternate universe where they don't make that trade and Jim Benning is still here. Would you, would you make that trade? Would you make no. the move anyway? No, no. no. Wow. It's no. a terrible deal. Are you kidding me? They'll even if something. it got rid of Jim Benning, even they, if it got rid of Jim Benning, you wouldn't get, you wouldn't do make the something move. else to Anything get them else. fired. So look, so here's the thing. That's we just, that's, that's they the suck. They suck so bad the they still is, get fired. At the end of the day, Jim Benning wasn't fired because he traded for Oliver Ekman Larson. He was fired because the team was playing like shit. Exactly. It didn't matter what like the the contracts, the money, the players that they acquired was never going to get him fired under this ownership group. It always going to was going to come down to public perception and the team's value in the public's eye was cratered. At that point, only when the crowd was chanting fire Benning and flying banners did ownership ever say, hey, this might damage our brand value, even though it's already tanked millions of dollars under this guy. Now the public is being vocal about it. We should do something. The Ekman Larson deal under no circumstances could you ever justify acquiring that contract, even if you gave up a seventh. That is a six-year deal. It was seven years when they acquired it. A seven-year, $45 million commitment to a guy with no trade protection who had been taking a step back in his performance every single year in Arizona. And sure, he had an okay year, but by the end of it, he had fallen off because he doesn't have the legs to compete anymore like he used to in the past. Yeah, There's and, no yeah. way you can ever justify it. Yeah, You're fully, insane I, if you try to. <laughs> yeah, and I fully agree on all of that. Like, yeah, like at the end of the day, you it better justifies the cost. I was, yeah, 
Okay. No. Um, there's no, no, there's no sense of that trade. Yeah. Uh, okay. From AJ Spears, a beer league goon, is JT Miller walking? And if so, would you rather not trade for him? For him, trade him, like trade him. I think he just meant trade. Okay. Him. Like, um, do not move him now. Um, I don't. Is he I don't... walking? Probably. You think, I think yeah. he wants. I think he wants to get paid. I mean, rightly so. Obviously. He's almost a hundred point player on a dog shit team. Yeah, uh, he's gonna want to go get paid. He's, you know, pro- he wasn't really keen on coming to Vancouver in the first place because he was traded from a team that was literally on the cusp of winning uh, the Stanley Cup. And, and it, <laughs> I'm sure it stings. Got to be really, yeah. I'm sure it stings quite a bit really knowing bad. you were the. You were the cap savings that pushed your former team over the edge to finally winning a cup. That's gotta like, stay. It's, it's gotta be hard when Luke Shen walks into the room with his two rings and he's like, Hey, thanks, JT. Hey, buddy. Because you got <laughs> traded, even like- they could get Barclay Goudreau and they could get um, Blake Coleman because yeah. you were traded. Thanks for the rings, bud. Like, I'm obviously, sure... Luke Shen is not like that. <laughs> yeah, that's not Luke Shen style at all. Luke Shen strikes no. me Spencer Martin. No, Spencer Martin like... style. Spencer Martin is walking in there like, thanks for the rings. No, yeah. Luke, Luke Shen would just be like, no, just oh, what rings? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Luke Shen seems like a, a nice Luke enough Shen's... guy. He'd be like, hey, JT, Luke Shen's because chill. you were traded, it, it was like you basically helped us win. So, do you want one of my rings? I've that's, got two. Yeah. Like that's like the kind of nice guy he is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah. JT Miller, he, he's probably going to walk because he wants to get paid and he wants to get paid by a team that's actually going to be good. While the direction of this team has changed under Rutherford and Alvin, he is approaching 30 and he isn't going to want to spend what's going to be probably his last big money deal on an organization that is still figuring out its direction. He, he Not can't unless afford they it. make a huge turnaround. Yeah. Like yeah, they unless they to... I'm speaking of OEL, unless this team gets rid of OEL or Myers and just completely overhauls their cap structure and makes it doesn't really have an incentive yeah. to stay. Um do you think he takes a t- do you think he takes a pay cut from another team if they if he feels they have higher cup aspirations or do you think the number is more important? I could absolutely see him, like, say Colorado was like, hey, we can't afford Kadri because, no offense, he's better than you and he's younger than you, uh, JT, uh, but we can give you four or $5 million for three years if you play here. I think he'd take a discount because it probably puts him in a better chance to win, and maybe that's the case, but, like, I don't think – like, he's not doing it for Vancouver. There's no, no. way he's taking a no discount. Way, no. And no. based on everything that's coming out, too, like, I think – the Donnie and Dolly show come out and we're like, yeah, teams are like, they're they're Alvin and Rutherford are really concerned that he wants really long term, which fair. Like we just said, he didn't take a protect or trade protection on his last deal. And he got immediately flipped to help yeah. the other team win a cup. Like he's not going to do that again. No. There's no way he's, he wants. He wants to make sure his next contract is where he retires. In, yeah, in, in, he, in, he's with, too much of a yeah. competitor to not, secure himself to a team that like say say he isn't sold on vancouver's direction at least if he signed a nine-year deal it would be loaded with protection so that if they do turn it around by the time he's done his deal he has a chance to win yeah that like that's just the type of competitor type of contract you would want to sign at his age 
Yeah, which is why I think we've said about before on the show, like the best thing the Canucks can do right now is if they don't think they're getting a deal done with JT Miller, the better thing to do is try and trade him now during the offseason when you can get when you can get a higher return for him from a team that wants him for a full 82 and wants him to go and try and chase a cup. Like that's, that's where you, that's where you start looking. Like you start looking at a piece like call, like maybe Colorado is that team where you go, Hey, we'll try. Cause what his contract's not that, not that large right now. Is it? It's like, like it's it's like five something million dollars. It's like five. It's an, it's a, it's a, it's a big enough amount that it, it, it takes a dent out, but not big enough that it's a, a deterrent obviously for any team. If you're creative and you retain 50% and you parlay with another team to also retain 50%, you're probably still recouping a pretty decent asset if you're trading him to like a cap strap team like, you know, a Tampa Bay, which would actually be really funny. Yeah, that would be very funny. Like I'm like right now I'm just looking at the idea of like God, wouldn't it be something if like the Canucks could somehow like this won't happen. It won't happen. But if they could somehow make it work with Colorado where they give them JT Miller and they get Bowen Byram out of that. Like Ooh. that It'll would never happen. It will never happen. But Joe Colorado's got a lot of things they have to do in this offseason. Burnaby, so Burnaby Joe and it is not de- that stupid. And it depends so much on whether or not they walk away with the cup or not. Because if they don't if they win, they're gonna do barely they're not gonna do much. Because yeah. they're they like no incentive hey, we won. to do anything drastic. We did it. Like maybe they feel the incentive of like, well, the lightning went back to back. Maybe we have to do that too kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But even still, that's not going to pressure them to go, okay, we need to make drastic big, big time moves here. Whereas if they lose, they, there definitely be more like of an urgency to go after some big names. Right. Yeah. Um, man, that actually just be so funny though. Back to <laughs> like, Tampa. Yeah. Back to Tampa. Oh, and then like, he goes to the cup final. Like, there's and, like, nothing. Loses. There's nothing more demoralizing, I think, for a player that's it, when they try and sign with the team, like the big, the with the team that's supposed to go all the way, but they do it a year too late. Like they're just, <laughs> yeah. they just missed the timing cutoff and they, and that's when the team's not good anymore. Like, like, um, get it done. like, like bringing it back to the Canucks, like when, when Kessler wanted out and they traded him to Anaheim and Anaheim was not really in their window. They were kind of falling out of it. And they were like approaching the rebuild stage. Like they're literally where the Canucks were heading mm-hmm. at that time. And it was just like, they still like did well in playoffs, but they were just not there. And so yeah. like the funny thing about that too, is that Kessler had the option to go to Pittsburgh and he said, no. <laughs> and so, and so with the deal that he d- did sign, he legitimately could have won like back to back. If it was a decent, decent enough contract. Oh like that's God. so funny to me. That would've, is so funny. Would've would have absolutely just demolished teams like left and right yeah, like yeah uh, on your team. obviously like the injuries factor in well injuries like, factor into it but also like they might not have been able to afford then a trading for phil castle and um uh, that's true uh whatever, not jeff carter whatever that uh is. carl haglin nick bonino nick bonino who came over in the kessler trade <laughs> like oh yeah, so- that's uh, a bummer. There, the, yeah. There's a different reality where that maybe doesn't work out, but it would just be very funny if like he did go there and like like he declined himself two cups. <laughs> Who did the Canucks get for Nick Benino? Who did they get for Nick? Benino? They traded. Was that the they, Brandon Sutter one? No, no. Or so was they that traded Sutter or the Pearson. Which one? So it was um Pearson was Goodbranson. 
So, okay. uh, but I think I it was think, Sutter. I want to say it was Derek Pouliot. Was it just Derek Pouliot? No, no, Pouliot that was Andre later. Padan. That was Andre Padan. Yeah, um, no, it was Sutter. That was Sutter, Sutter okay. and a third round pick, which became Will Lockwood in exchange for Nick Bedino, a second round pick and another pick, I believe. Which yeah, it was, uh, didn't turn out terribly. <laughs> just, um, just why? Um, two picks. It turned out two picks too. <laughs> they gave yeah. him a retroactive <laughs> no movement clause on a fucking deal they didn't sign. Like, it's just such oh mind boggling. We're not going to depress our audience, so we're going to sign out now. Um, yes, let's do that right oh now, my please. God. Well, folks, here's there's your there's your daily dose of uh, Canucks existential dread. But don't worry. It's a new regime. Hopefully no retroactive, no movement clauses for this group. If we hear about it, I'll probably stop recording this show and I'm just going to move to a different sport. Uh, oh, there's the cops outside my window, which I'm sure you just heard. I am Cody Severson. You can catch my work at Cody Severson on Twitter uh, and Canucks Army, I believe. I write there some t- from time to time. Lachlan, where can they find your stuff? You can find me on Twitter at Lock in the Crease, and you can find my writing work also at Canucks Army. I just wrote an article talking about what the Canucks can learn from the current cup finalists. Does does that include fleecing teams in great trades? Yes, it does, which is why that's the a Canucks good idea. That. Yeah, that's a great idea. Patience. Who knew that patience is important? Uh, not trying to jam the square peg into the round hole is yeah. is is a, is a good is a good motivating tactic. What about you, Jamie? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jamie Kalo or on Instagram at Jamie Kalo Eats. Hell yeah. Anyways, folks, don't forget, subscribe to our Patreon doc. Well, don't forget, but like, if you want, if you, to, can. you can, you don't have to, but like, I'm just saying, it would be nice. an option. It'd be nice. It'd be cool. It's okay. It's, it's, but, yeah. It would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Priestcast. Um, we have the $1 and $5 tiers. So if you know, times are tough, gas is expensive. So if you want to just slide down to the dollar tier, we won't, don't fucking blame you. It, times are tough these days, and uh, your support is appreciated no matter what you guys do. Uh, and we recorded it off the post, too. Oh, we yeah, we finally one. did. We so, have one. Know, yeah. We have we, content. Without coding. Yeah, without, without coding. Me, That's okay. That's okay. I'm not that <laughs> interesting anyway. Anyways, folks, next episode will be interesting because we'll be probably talking about a cup final, perhaps. We'll see. Catch you guys on the Flippy Flip. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.